Hello, my name is Ed Palmer from 212 Radio and welcome to Internal Communications in the Raw, the podcast from the Institute of Internal Communication. The idea behind this podcast is to always be honest about our industry and to offer an unvarnished appraisal of the challenges that we face. On this episode, we have Helen Connolly. Helen is Head of Internal Communication and Engagement at the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority and her experiences in the last year particularly at the NDA's nuclear site at Sellafield in Cumbria, have been remarkable. As you can imagine, navigating the internal communications challenges of a number of nuclear sites during a worldwide pandemic is fraught with difficulty. And as a result, her insights are well worth listening to. Over to you, Jen. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Jennifer Sproul, Chief Executive of the Institute of Internal Communication, and I'm going to hand over to my co-host, Dom, to introduce yourself. Hello, I'm Dominic Walters. I'm a consultant specialising in leadership communication and I work with Jen as a governance advisor on the Institute. And today we're delighted to be joined by Helen Connolly. And Helen, welcome. Do you want to give us our listeners a brief introduction to who you Hello, are? Hello, yes. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, Helen Connolly. I'm Head of Internal Communication and Engagement at the Nuclear Decommissioning Authority or the NDA. And that's a non-departmental public body that's tasked with cleaning up all of the UK's oldest nuclear sites and some of those names that you might be familiar with would be Dunray in Scotland, Hinkley Point A, um, Sizewell A and Sellafield. So clearly it's been a really, really tough year and we're still trying to, to even make sense of what this is going to mean for the long term. But what are the key IC challenges that you are preparing to tackle in the coming year? In the nuclear industry and I would say specifically at Sellafield and at the NDA, um, we have to balance uncertainty, the continuing effects and impact of of the global pandemic with looking ahead to bringing people back to work when a lot of people have been away from their usual workplace, their routines, their colleagues for coming up to a year now. And at the same time, we've had a lot of people who've been working from from lockdown in, back in March um, every single day on the sites because you simply can't close down a nuclear site indefinitely. You have to keep monitoring, you have to keep checking, you have to keep it safe. So there's that, there's the, the bringing people back in and also looking ahead to bringing back some of the big ticket communication projects that we're all working on, such as sustainability, such as diversity and inclusion, uh, developing leadership and skills, all of the things that might have taken a little bit of a back burner while we actually had to concentrate on, on what the effects of the pandemic were. And we have to balance all of that for people who've really been through the mill for the past year or so. Internal communication is absolutely at the heart of that. So, Helen, um, we've looked at some of the challenges you've got coming up, but let's take some time to look back now over the last year. It was an amazingly different and difficult year. What were some of your biggest internal communication successes in 2020? And if there were any, what were the, the biggest missteps? I would say our biggest uh, success in the last year was um, keeping people connected. <laughs> Overnight, we pretty much had to ask at Sellafield and similar across all the other sites, 8,000 people to go home and work from home. And of course, our IT colleagues were, you know, the real heroes. So that was a success in terms of keeping people connected so that they knew 
what was happening on a day-to-day basis, how Sellafield was operating within government guidelines, how that affected how we worked. We were creating a, a lot of good, accurate content for people who, who were feeling like, you know, the world had just gone crazy. Keeping people connected was the greatest success, I think. Missteps. Okay. Yes. In terms of connecting people, we did take a risk in terms of going to our social channels to help connect with employees. So we took some of our news and our CEO to Facebook, for example. And of course, when you do that, you create a platform for people to comment. And of course, we want people to comment. Most of it was overwhelmingly positive. Some of it was a bit negative, and it's not always great to have niggles and complaints aired on a public platform. Another thing I'm just going to fess up to because I have to <laughs> is that in the internal comms team, we probably broke one of our fundamental rules for ourselves, which was to be simple and not use jargon. The pace at which we had to help people understand what was happening was so great. We simply didn't have the time to, to write a simple communication. It was easier to write a long one. <laughs> well, look, thank you for your candor on those particularly, Helen. I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this who'll be breathing a sigh of relief that it wasn't just them. Well, quite. We were all in it together. Really, we were. Helen, just stepping away from COVID for a moment. In many ways, I guess your industry has seemed to be quite controversial, this particular case when you were at Sellafield. So what's your experience of the role that internal communication can play in helping organisations manage and build their reputations? A little bit of background to that about our industry, really, because for a long time, obviously, we've kept the lid on what happens at our nuclear sites. You know, we're the custodians of some of the most hazardous material in the UK. Sellafield was a munitions factory in the 40s. Then it contributed to the Cold War effort in terms of a nuclear deterrent. We have very, very stringent rules that we have to obey um, to keep everybody safe and secure. And so that was kind of the message for a very, very long time. It was no news is good news, but we want to open up far more so that our colleagues, their families, our communities can understand what actually goes on there. Because if you understand understand what goes on on a nuclear site, you get under the skin of it and uh, uh, and you can, you know, see what everybody's trying to do, which is actually clean up a long nuclear legacy. If we can tell the stories about the great deeds and the skills and the experience that our people can do, then that just helps to understand what the nuclear industry is all about. You know, we're all ordinary people, but doing extraordinary things, really, to help a really, really important piece of work for the country. So it's about people-led experiences and stories and encouraging our people to, to talk about what they do. But it's also about being open and transparent, really, when things do go wrong, because they do sometimes, and that we take safety very, very seriously. And here's how, for example. I think those values of honesty and transparency and actually let's talk about what's going on. I think that's such role model behaviour when something that sometimes can feel too hard to talk about. I want to pick up now a little bit more on, on the on the fact of your different types of your colleagues, as you call them, or your employees. And, you know, you mentioned that you have those that had to remain on site. You have some that are in office based. And with all that disparity of, of setup, how do you keep connected with very different sets of audiences, all of which, as you say, work in terms of their fundamental work in different ways. Yes, we have 
roles from nuclear physicists and scientists to doctors and nurses and scaffolders and electricians and, you know, functional workers like myself. Um, so we cover a huge range of roles. We really, really rely on line managers. They're our, our most important um, channel for internal communications, if you like. So that's where we try to, to put, you know, a lot of effort and support. Um, they know their people best, far better than we do. So helping to coach line managers, but providing them with the clear, factual, contextual information that they can then share with their different teams is really important for us. Of course, we have the usual channels and we know that one size doesn't fit all. So we create a, a range just like I imagine everybody else would. Some people don't even have the opportunity to, to actually look at an intranet from one day to the next, you know, depending on shift patterns, etc. So again, that's where we turn to our line managers to, to be able to share the important news, instructions, but also to instigate discussions with employees so that it's not always a, a one-way broadcast to people. And it's great to hear you say about the importance of line managers and how you equip them to have those conversations. But let's also look at the senior leadership, because that's something that people who listen to these podcasts are often interested in. How do we activate and equip senior leaders in internal communication? So what's been your experience of the role of senior leaders in internal communication and what we can do as communicators to equip them to be as effective as possible at, at doing it? I think with our senior leaders, one of the key things is that for internal communications, we have to get close to them so that they understand what we do and how internal communication can contribute to the bottom line. Getting the conversations with our leaders about what is the business issue that we can support. I think that's where you help with the credibility uh, that internal communications can bring with senior managers. So that's kind of a way in. And then what we do is we talk about the landscape, really, for example, change communication. Um, often we find that our leaders have been thinking, discussing, planning uh, something like a reorganization or a new project for so long, and they see the benefits of that project and don't always realize why their employees are not jumping up and down with excitement because they're right at the start of that change curve, whereas the senior managers uh, have gone through it all and uh, are ready to you know, launch their project. You so well articulated, you know, how we can put across our value to senior leaders to see that. But also, you've just recently joined the IOIC board, so we're thrilled to have you on that. And, you know, one of the jobs that we want to do at IOIC is better champion, articulate and encourage people to start a career in internal communication. So when someone perhaps comes to you and they're thinking about it, why do you think someone starting their career now should look at internal communication? I ask my team about this as well to get a broad range of views, actually. And, and what we've said is that uh, we find that being internal comms, it gives people the chance to work at the very top of the organization, no matter where you are in internal communications, whether you are a seasoned you know, professional or director or whether you're a communications officer or assistant, you can get access to decision makers right at the top of the organization. But you're also connected to the people you know, at the front line who, whose stories we want to tell. I can't think of another department really that would probably see the organization from a 360 degree point of view. Um, so we know a lot about what's going on internally, but also externally that we can bring in to help guide our communications and our, and our senior leaders. And over and above the core disciplines of creating good communications, 
we have to think about things, as I mentioned earlier, about psychology, personality types, um, different motivations that people might have. I can't think of a better place to be, quite frankly. You know, I, I'm sure Dom, you'll agree, won't you? That everybody we've asked that question to has given that similar. It's a, I can't think of a better place to be. <laughs> yes, yes, I think it's that, that ability to have access to everybody, understand whatever that's going on as well, but also this ability to start to think about how you influence people or, or how you listen to them and how they respond to different situations. It's a it's a fantastic area. You know, you can see change. You can affect change through internal communication it, it's incredibly rewarding it's also a mix of fast reactive communication now we all love a good crisis but also you know planned strategic work which actually gives a bit of balance to, to our our ways of working well thank you helen so much for your time today on this podcast you've shared some fascinating and some brilliant tips that i'm sure our listeners will really really value today and and hopefully with you on the board now as well we can really continue to drive and champion that message that internal communication is a wonderful rewarding and fascinating place to be so thank you helen thank you to don my co-host and thank you to ed um who is our producer for these podcasts and we'll speak to you all again soon and as a result her insights are well worth listening to over to you jen Thank you so much to Helen Connolly, who I think put into words the value and rewards of working in IC as well as anyone. If you'd like to contact the IOIC about any of the issues that Helen raised, or you'd like to suggest any topics for future episodes, please do get in touch with Jen. 